Hey everybody, you're listening to The Two Vegans, episode 5. This is your host, Chirag, and I'm joined as always by Ethel. Hey everyone. So, in case you're just tuning in, on our last show we talked about our travel tips, which was quite exciting. Uh, Got some interesting comments from a couple of people about that. A slightly common misconception, you know, when when you talk about being vegan, um, you know, more often than not people just start talking about the the food aspect of it um, you know you're not eating dairy or not eating other animal products uh, but i think it's it's obviously a lot more than that right it's something that you know even i've uh, i was a bit surprised by the fact that, that those considerations came in without you know and that there were so many things that we do on a day-to-day basis and I, i've spoken about this on a previous episode as well about you know trying to buy a bag and then realizing that oh wait a minute you know i don't want to buy leather i don't want to buy or 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 as we talked about in our third episode, for example, about buying things, you know, buying fur jackets and things like that, and, or even cosmetics, uh, toiletries. I mean, all of this stuff that, uh, you know, are very, very day-to-day things. Uh, you know, they're not, they're not one-off purchases. They're not, um, you know, a consideration you make once in a while. This is sort of an ongoing thing. Um, and which is why I think a lot of times we also talk about veganism being sort of a journey um, that's you know that's very individual. I mean, each person takes a step at a time and tries to figure out how they can eliminate uh, some of the things because there is a lot of practicality. There's a lot of um, uh, you know other factors to consider in terms of access to some of these things. I mean, what if you don't find them and all of this stuff? So and that that you know that's not just limited to food. It's also all this other stuff. So um, so yeah, we we thought we would try and address some of those things today and talk about it a little bit. A, a concept that vegans very strongly believe in, especially if you're a vegan for animal ethics, um, that animals shouldn't be used for your entertainment or they shouldn't be used for anything against their will. I find that there is a lot of disconnect amongst humans towards animals and other species. I know Chirag is not a big fan of this term, but just like how there is racism and sexism there is also something known as speciesism a lot of vegans find that unjust and unfair spiritually if you think about it if you believe that there is a higher being above or if you just believe in science when all the species were created there wasn't any ranking made the concept of um, the food chain is man-made there's one really important point animals are sentient beings they have different desires and feelings they feel pain they feel hunger they feel sadness and they feel happiness that's when you can relate to them more and that's when the disconnect actually dissolves i mean you know you're right in mentioning that there is a huge disconnect that's happened over the years we've distanced ourselves from from really the origin of a lot of the things that that we get and again we've talked about this in different contexts including food where back in the day you had these little whatever small towns or villages that had local farms and you know everything came from there and so you sort of knew exactly what was going on you sort of had that closeness to the whole structure that's not the case anymore right we don't even drive by accidentally say a dairy farm or something right it's just something it's so far away it's not even in our line of sight uh, even indirectly and so i think that's one of the reasons why we we have the situation where we kind of think i'm just buying this and it's sort of a commodity and this is not to say that like oh my god how could you think that but it's kind of like how everything is involved and there's such a huge disconnect that you don't even realize um you know where something's coming from what's worse not only do we just pick up things as commodities now but we throw them away just as easily as commodities as well right already there's so much in the chain that that is problematic um you know that this is a sort of 
magnifying the whole problem. Uh, we're going to start by talking about entertainment in particular. So it's something that we haven't talked about on the show yet. I mean, I know for me, it, especially like even as a, even as a child, obviously zoos are are a big attraction, right, for kids. And when when you look at the concept of of, of going to a zoo, the whole idea is to get get the children or get the kids acquainted right with all the other animals you know and, and so even as a child like i mean obviously we visited quite a few zoos and stuff and i know that this was something that came up in conversation but i guess got kind of sidetracked at some point where you know we talked about animals still being in captivity right not being in their natural environments um having to survive in very very specific ways uh, having routines for lunches and dinners and and when they should be out and when they should be seen by by guests and things like that and i think this is one area where all the more now today but i think there was a point in the past as well but even all the more now today where it just feels scary um, you know what these animals might have been going through the the kids being taken away from the mothers just so that they can be bred somewhere it can be displayed somewhere um, I mean then this is so much more true for you know even the rare animals and stuff and that's one of the reasons why we have all these issues with uh, with hunting and poaching and, and stuff like that just picture the fact that you are sitting in your house with your parents with your siblings and one fine day a big bad guy comes in um forcibly picks you up against your will and takes you away from your parents and from your siblings and from your friends and family and uh, takes you far away uh in a truck chains you in that truck uh drives you down in the heat or in the snow or in the rains uh, for miles away and uh, puts you in an enclosure which is just concrete walls all four sides uh you have been chained over there you get to eat when they decide they want to feed you you are not allowed to speak to anyone you're not allowed to interact with anyone you are checked out by doctors only when the doctors want to uh you're probably fed only once a day but all you have to do is stay in that enclosure day and night for the next 2 days for the next 2 years for the next 20 years this is exactly what happens to animals in zoos for elephants or even tigers they are snatched away from their families when they're babies and then they're raised in captivity in isolation away from their natural surroundings and from the wild and they tend to live a very very bad quality of life and on top of that they have people who come there visit them and pay to visit them and i i completely abhor the fact that parents think that they're taking their children to zoos to educate them you may end up showing them a tiger but what you're showing them is a broken tortured animal that has been away from its wildlife animals show a lot of stressful um, signs when they are in zoos they they go around head bobbing they go around uh, rocking they pace back and forth when if and when you see an animal or if ever you visited a zoo and you've seen an animal doing that it's not because it's entertaining you it's just that it's stressed and uh, as it should be any any sentient being who is in that surrounding will be stressed not only do we see um you know animals in stress but we even see situations where we we've, we've watched um you know for example lions and and tigers and stuff being fed and it's 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 almost sad because you know the they i mean obviously they start getting used to the schedule and stuff like that but the moment those noises happen the moment the things happen um the way they clamor for their food to not i don't know to to not be in control of your surroundings you know to not just be in control of what's happening in your life i mean i think that's um it's a, it's a scary thought and um you know you know for example you take an animal like the elephant that needs those sort of large open spaces and they're kept in the small yes sure larger than other animals but still the small confined environment you see at some of these petting zoos and stuff you know where they keep the like the goats and the sheep and stuff 
you know, 15, 20 to a small space um, where they don't have enough, you know, place to move around and stuff. And it's, it's while it is uh, always nice, I think, to, to sort of pet an animal, but to pet an animal in that environment just feels, um, you know, wrong. And, and then the, the long-term effect of something like this as well, right? Um, I mean, there have been stories about, um, you know, animals that were kept in captivity for an extended period of time and then released back in the wild, and then now they don't know how to live there, then they, they struggle. I mean, and again, this extends to things like circuses as well, right? Since we were speaking about the disconnect, the torture that the animal has to endure happens behind closed doors, and people are not able to see it. So when a person is visiting a zoo or a circus, he thinks that it comes naturally to animals to ride tricycles or to jump through hoops. One's got to understand that an animal has is usually beaten up to do these things. Forget about the fact that they're snatched away from their mothers when they're little children. And the reason they do this is because it's easier to train younger animals because they've not been in the wild very long. Electric shocks, bull hooks, sticks and stones, everything. They're, they have they are confined to limited spaces uh, to train them when to move, how to move and how much to move. That They are made to stand for hours on length, uh, chained to a wall. They cannot sit, they cannot move, they cannot do anything. Um, or lie down they're just standing on their uh, limbs 24 7 if you read about this uh, polar bear who lives in china he lives in a mall he's always lived in a mall his life has been nothing but just pacing in that 4x4 enclosure and entertaining people and very recently his case was highlighted by somebody in the media and he drew 1 million signatures on a petition to release him that's when the world started taking notice so if you are still supporting zoos and circuses please stop them right away there are other better ways to educate your children and to see animals which is in their wildlife in their natural surroundings you can take wildlife safaris countries like africa hold really really ethical wildlife safaris where you can actually go down and see the animal in their natural surroundings without disturbing them a friend of mine recently went to, went to bhutan and saw a tiger uh, on a wildlife safari but in these safaris you are instructed how to behave you are told how much to move when to move whether you should talk or whether you should make any noise where you should stand at or what distance you can see an animal these are the countries that you need to support if you want to see the animals or else just switch on animal planet yeah so i mean uh, yeah, the same thing i mean so i went to kenya a few years ago and and you know that's again some of the more natural so safari environments and it, it's you know it kind of it just tells you it's a very small thing but um, you know they have they have actually no idea where the animals are going to be it's sort of a it's so interesting because they, they um, even at the hotel I think but even they give you a sheet you know with all the animals that are possible and then it's kind of like a little game of bingo because you, you have to be a little bit lucky to be able to see them because you you can't really spot them that easily we thought it was really cool because they had a network of um, you know the, 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 the safari riders drivers whatever the, the ones that take you around um, and so, you know, one of them would see it, see a certain animal and then radio to everybody else and be like, oh, they're over here today as opposed to somewhere else and stuff, because at least they have the freedom to move around and, and stuff. And even in that, there are certain no-go zones that they've established, not for the animals, but for the people, you know, that, uh, okay, this is the area where you can drive around because the animals are used to that and then that's okay, but then you can't go further and then there are lines that they draw and stuff like that. Um, so, and, and you know, I think it's, it's so interesting because a memory that comes to me when we're talking about all this is being in horse carriages. And so when we were little again, 
and this is something that uh, is quite a feature of places like Mumbai, for example. You can sit in these horse carriage rides in certain part of the city and just traverse up and down the road. As soon as we sat on board, we would, uh, you know, my uncle would always tell the the rider, keep it slow, don't race the animal, and please don't hit it, like don't don't whip it. You know, I do, I did used to wonder that, and he's like, no, you know, I don't want the animal hurt. And then I remember asking him as well, like, okay, but yeah, but you know, he's he okay, he won't whip it for us, but then he'll whip it for somebody else, and and you know, it was like, yeah, I understand the reality of that problem, but at least I know that at least while I'm sitting there, the animal is not in any extra pain and stuff like that. But it also made me think about the fact that, uh, yeah, but the fact that we're even sitting in this carriage, we do have the understanding that, you know, we don't want the animals to feel that pain, but at the same time, we are still continue to use them for, for some kind of entertainment or the other. Not only horses, but also elephants and a lot of other animals, bull riding, horse riding, elephant riding, are main, main tourist attractions in most countries. And in India, particularly, horses are used for weddings. Again, they snatch the animals from their natural surroundings and train them to pull carriages uh, three or four times their actual weight, which in itself is a very torturous thing to do. These horses and these elephants, these animals are pretty much walking on the streets between traffic and noise. One thing that I'd like to point out here is that animals are much more sensitive to smell and sound than humans are. If you've ever noticed your pet dog or your pet cat, they're sleeping and they suddenly just get up because they've heard something that you have no idea about. Uh, it's because they, they've already heard something miles away. You have the system of uh, wedding processions and there are uh, bands and loud music, loud live music being uh, played, uh, which includes your drums and your trumpets. And obviously that stresses the animal out. Um, the fact that they are forced to carry a large amount of weight, the fact that they are forced to inhale the exhaust fumes from cars around on the road. Once once these animals are old, to not be able to perform any of these tasks, then they are sent usually to slaughterhouses or to countries where horse meat or elephant meat is consumed. They are usually just given as animal feed to zoos again. I usually avoid riding any animals in any of these places. Uh, I was recently in Sikkim. I was doing my research online and they told and all the research said that you definitely need to have a yak ride to go up because it's uphill and I was worried and I was like I, I don't want to do that and everyone said that it was compulsory all the websites and all the reviews and uh, all the blo- blogs said that it was compulsory to get a yak ride but I found out that it wasn't it was just um, another business making model and uh, another business model and the yaks over there were chained constantly just waiting for people to come and ride them and they were they were supposed to go up and then come down and then they were doing this for hours on end um i was there for a good four five hours but not even once did i see anyone feeding them or even giving them water for that matter and i think people should be very very careful about uh, these things when they're out traveling I think one of the things that you will find, uh, and I know one of perhaps one of the things that would be said in opposition to this, you know, is as we'll use your example because I think that's a good one. Uh, we're saying that yeah, you know, these animals helped, um, and you know, they they survive better in those in those climates, right? Like the yaks in the in the mountains and stuff. They are a great way for for us as humans to be able to make that. Uh, make that climb or whatever it is and that but so I understand that that's where that started right we understand that that's where that came from because it, it was sort of that thing way back way back in the day when um, and I mean I'm, I'm not necessarily saying only pre vehicles and you know all that stuff but or pre-invention of the wheel and I don't mean just that but even like you know even after that but they were sort of like a support system because you know you couldn't traverse these things on your own and so the animal helped you and charter those territories and stuff like that but again you know it comes back to this thing and I think the same colliery we see in terms of food and other things as well right where yes back in the day sure we, everybody was connected to the farm and you had you know you had 
maybe one or two yaks that you carry, you know, took you up and and sort of you did it because you were exploring the areas and stuff like that. But today it's everything. All of this stuff has turned into a business. Today it's sort of, you know, you've got one guy with uh, you know, double-digit numbers of of these animals tied and chained. And remember again, you know, a lot of these things are all about you know how they cut their costs and make more money. And then obviously there's no union of animals that's going to fight for the fact that they don't get uh, X amount of food every day or or whatever or X amount of sleep. Right? They're just going to be keep doing it, keep doing it until you're injured and you can't do it anymore and then the whatever the owner or whoever just dispatches you and, and dumps you somewhere in some way. I don't deny the fact that, you know, animal are the reason we were able to climb those mountains and cover those territories and do things that, that we weren't able to do just by ourselves. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about today, the present day and age, where all of this stuff is no longer about one guy and his animal doing something. It's all about making money in one guy and 50 animals trying to make that extra buck. And that that's where sort of all this torture and cruelty and everything else comes in. Yeah, and speaking speaking of uh, carriages and rides, I think horse racing is another event uh, well it's more like a sport but even just being there's a trend these days around the world like a horse racing event has become an event for the elite it always was but now it is more like a let's go there buy the best of the hats and make a fashion statement what people don't realize is the kind of uh, torture that a horse endures to be in those races and um, again I know I'm going to receive a lot of flack from people who actually breed horses and use them for races and they claim that they love their horses and uh, take care of them very well but coming down to the basic fundamentals that the anim- you're doing it against the animal's will and um, I've had people say that if you don't ride a horse it falls sick who would be the first person who would be like hey by the way the horse told me he wants to be ridden you know well, it's obviously falling sick. maybe if I ride them they'll feel better yeah yeah and uh, what usually happens in horse races is that they drug the horses and um so that they can they can have better metabolisms and they can run faster some of these drugs actually help them lose weight so that they don't have a lot of weight and that makes their speed much faster no it's a, i mean it's the same thing that we see even with humans right and we, have, we don't look that we don't look very well at that by the way when it comes to doping and all these things right uh, using chemical substances to um, improve your ability to perform um, you know, at these events, so it's the same thing. I mean, uh, I, you know, it's and it's amazing to me as well. I mean, we sure. Look, I'm not. I'm not saying that every racer doesn't care about his horses, right? But but we have heard. I mean, there are enough stories already where, like, you know, the the horse gets slightly injured, and that's it. That's the end of his career. He's thrown aside. We look at that from an athlete's point of view, and you know, an athlete. Uh, yeah, sure. There are a lot of other things, but athletes, you know, he he takes a choice. He's able to run. He's able to decide that for himself, right? And so he's able to decide he wants to be a runner. Yes, some of them are naturally talented, and some of them naturally get pushed into those things because it's like, hey, this is what you're good at. You know, this is what you should do. But but at least the, the, someone's having that conversation with them, right? And if an athlete decides, no, I'm not running, then that's that, right? He's not going to get whipped. Even in that scenario, even where that will is involved, we still don't look favorably at doping, right? We don't. I mean, there are, there are so many international standards and 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 rules and regulations and laws. And I'm not saying that they don't exist for horses, but um, you know the amount of cruelty that's involved in doing it to start with, and then the way they're treated and the way that an injured horse or a horse that has passed its prime. Uh, I mean, we we've seen these auctions and things, right, where they're sold to the highest bidder. I mean, this is all there's. There's so much that's happening out there and it's so easy to just sit in the stadium and watch them race for 30 minutes or two hours or whatever. But the amount of years and years of things that happened that, that happened before it and the years and things that happen after it, a whole different ballgame. And this is just, we've just touched the surface, like there is there's so much more to it.
there's you know the, the millions of dollars are paid to have for example a, a horse that did really well or had some genetic characteristics that that helped it perform better uh, to try and breed those genes down to uh, an offspring so that um, you know that offspring could then be sold and or bought you know, for more racing i mean it's 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 a crazy cycle really i realize that this is got a this is you know a little bit of a depressing episode actually in comparison to our usual uh, but i think you know it's a topic we wanted to address it's a topic that we wanted to talk about because we we see it i mean as you mentioned you saw it on your recent travel you know I was walking by the streets of Mumbai and I saw the Xyrages and it reminded me of the of you know like I, like I mentioned the story when I was a kid and stuff and it just sort of reminded me and and I was looking at that this time and and realizing how I feel about that now and how I would never step on one of those again yeah i mean i wouldn't call it depressing it is definitely a sad episode but i'm glad that we've been able to um use this platform to tell people about the um reality that occurs and it's funny how we we are in dubai but we never spoke about camel rides <laughs> um but um, yes we really really want to urge you to not use any of the animals for your entertainment purpose if you're really bored and if you really want to entertain yourself go watch a movie buy a nice book um register yourself at the nearest ngo work with children work with underprivileged children work with orphans work with animals um take your children to um animal sanctuaries take them to rescue centers show them how animals actually are adopt a pet um but just just don't put your dollars into an industry that tortures them and eventually kills them we've we've only touched the surface but there are loads of other things that involve cruelty there are dolphinariums that torture dolphins to do to perform tricks there are aquariums there are um dog fighting games there are chicken fighting games there's like there's like loads of stuff where animals are just used purely for entertainment so yeah so that's uh, i think that's it for our episode today And yeah, since you know, Heathal mentioned that uh, there are a lot of other things you can do for entertainment. Subscribe to the Two Vegans in a Podcast Player of your choice. Um, you can also follow us in, uh, on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, just look for the Two Vegans. Um, you can find show notes for this episode at coffeeandiced. dot com slash two vegans slash five.